I am your anchor, an ever-present help. In calm waters or through the storm, I am with you. When you feel weak, I am your strength, your provision in times of need. I am with you. In the highs and the lows, in every rhythm of life, I am with you. Your guide, your wisdom, your counsel, a light for the path and a lamp to your feet. I am with you to the very end of the age. You are never alone. Thank you so much. Great to see you for part four of this series, Never Alone. Why don't we just welcome those who are joining us from our other centres, Cambridge, Leicester, London, those in Cafe Church watching online. Fantastic. Great to be part of one church family. Well, looking forward to talking again on the Holy Spirit. I've spoken many times on the Holy Spirit over the years. One that stands out is when uh, we had to uh, do a live Pentecost service in 2009. Some of you may remember it. We were asked to record some songs of praise programs. Somebody just told me that literally today in South Africa, one of those recordings was being played out, which is amazing, celebrating us being a multicultural church. But as part of the package, as well as those songs of praise recordings, was this live Pentecost service entitled, That's the Spirit. Uh, and so because at the time we weren't videoing our, our services at all, let's just say it took a step of faith and like, okay, yeah, I think we're up for it. The Lord's calling us to do this. So uh, the great thing was we were given an hour service, pretty much a free reign on content, which was amazing, included a 25-minute preach, an opportunity to pray a salvation prayer at the end. And we were able to baptize people. It's the first time on live terrestrial uh, British television that baptisms have been recorded, which is fantastic. So all of that was a great privilege. We came to the actual day, and all I can say is I was so nervous. <laughs> Let's just say before the meeting, I went to the loo several times. And so uh, the service starts, first song, I'm still feeling so nervous. Second song, I remember it distinctly, we were singing, Lord, you are good. And at that moment, suddenly, maybe it was just me, but I sensed the Holy Spirit come into the room, come on me, clothe me afresh with power and boldness. The fear went, I preached the message, we closed the service, and at that time, I'd lost track of time, and I noticed just in front of me, the BBC stage manager frantically going like this. <laughs> anyway, closed, landed the plane, finished it, closed the broadcast, and almost immediately we started getting texts in from family members, friends, work colleagues, people saying that God had spoken to them, some were kneeling down, giving their lives to the Lord. It was amazing. God took that celebration of the work of the Spirit and worked mightily in people's lives. So that was the, the Sunday. And then on the Monday morning, about 10 past 7, um, our oldest daughter, Emily, ran down the stairs saying, Dad, Dad, Chris Moyles is talking about the church. And I said, who's Chris Moyles? 
turns out on trend I was. For those of you who, like me, were or still are ignorant, uh, uh, Chris Moyles was at the time the leading uh, Radio 1 DJ broadcasting to about 7, 8 million largely young people. And he and his partner had been watching the service on the Sunday morning, were completely blown away by what they'd seen. Obviously, um, completely changed their um, conceptions about church. And for eight minutes on uh, this prime time, breakfast time radio, he just keeps going on about, it was amazing, it was amazing, (laughs) it was uh, amazing. I say all that to say this, we celebrated the work of the Spirit The Holy Spirit came upon us, and he did a mighty work in our midst. And the ripple effect of that went beyond just the recording and just that gathering. Um, The essence of my message today is, in one sense, similar, a bit more developed, slightly longer than the Pentecost service then in 2009. But I want to talk about essentially the same thing, which is the absolute necessity of receiving the Holy Spirit, the absolute necessity of receiving the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk about receiving the fullness of the Spirit, all that God has for us. And in order for us to receive the fullness of the Spirit, we need to um, have three things. Firstly, we must be born again. Secondly, we must be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And thirdly, we need to be continually filled with the Spirit. And I trust this message will be helpful for you, whether you're here just checking out Christianity in church for the first time, or whether, like me, you've been on the journey for decades. So let's look at each in turn. Firstly, in order to receive the Spirit, number one, we need to be born again. Some of you may know, but I spent seven years um, of my life studying Uh, three years of it full-time, a guy called George Whitfield, who was probably one of the greatest preachers this country has ever seen. He was an 18th century evangelist who was like a catalyst for a massive revival in this country and in America. How many believe again for revival in this country overflowing to other nations? That's what I'm praying for. But anyway, Whitfield, as an evangelist, Um, went around preaching all over the place. And he had some kind of, if you like, some standard messages. And his favorite message was on the need for the new birth or the need to be born again. It's reckoned on one occasion, somebody said to him, George, can you tell me, why do you keep preaching on this subject? You must be born again. And Whitfield apparently is supposed to have said, because you must be born again. In other words, it's an absolute necessity if you want to be born again. Now, let's not take Whitfield's words for it. All Whitfield was doing was quoting Jesus himself in John 3. Jesus has an encounter with a religious leader, a Pharisee, a guy called Nicodemus. Presumably, Nicodemus was a a good man. He was trying to be saved through keeping the law and doing good. And Jesus kind of turns the tables on him. John 3, um, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are, and here we have this phrase, born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't do it through being good or being nice. You must be born again. He says, humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say, You must be born again. Jesus is talking to this guy, not just to this religious Pharisee, but I believe to all people of all time and say, if you want to see the kingdom of God, if you want a relationship with God, if you want eternal life, there is no other way other than to be born again through the Holy Spirit. 
Just like we are born through natural conception, so to be born again, we need the work of the Holy Spirit. If you like, we need spiritual conception in order to become a new creation and enter into God's kingdom. Let me use an illustration similar to that which I used uh, on that BBC broadcast to explain why we must be born again. If you think of this glass representing our lives. Now, you'll notice there the glass is clear. Uh, the problem is, um, when we are born, we're not born pure, did you notice? And we don't live pure lives. We have something called sin that comes in and messes up our lives. It dirties our lives. We have all the pollution of uh, guilt and shame and condemnation. Stuff isn't all right on the inside. Anyone else agree with me? Certainly my condition before I became a Christian. And the more I sinned, if you like, the worse my life became. But God is good. And God doesn't leave us in that natural condition. There's a promise in the Old Testament in Ezekiel chapter 36. It's a wonderful one. And God says, and talking about a day that would be fulfilled when Jesus comes and the Holy Spirit would be poured out, he says, um, I will do something for you. This is what God promised. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. He comes to cleanse us from the inside out. Listen, it continues. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. And he goes on, and I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. What's he talking about there? He's talking about the prophecy of what would happen when Christ came, being born again. But notice that he goes on to say this. He says, and I will what, put my spirit not only you will you have a new spirit, but I'm going to put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. In other words, unlike in the Old Testament where they had to try and fulfill God's law on their own, this promise is saying you're never alone. From now on, something's going to happen. Not only are you going to be made new, but the Holy Spirit's going to come in you and he's going to help you live this Christian life. You don't have to do it on your own. Aren't you glad about that? Wonderful. And that, you know, in the New Testament, Titus 3, verse 5, Paul picks up on this. He talks about when we are saved, God washed away our sins, giving us what? A new birth. That's the being born again and new life through the Holy Spirit. I think that's absolutely wonderful. That means if you receive Christ, not only do you become a new person when you're born again, but the person of God himself, the invisible but real Holy Spirit, not, he's not water. Water is a symbol of the working of the Spirit. The real, invisible, loving presence of God himself comes on the inside of you to live 24-7 for the rest of eternity. As we saw at the beginning of this series, I laid out, therefore it means for the rest of our lives, we have somebody not just with us, but in us, who's an ever-present friend, He's an all-knowing counselor, 
and he's an all-powerful helper. That means for all of life, whether you feel him or not, or you're aware of him or not, you and I are never, ever alone again. Hallelujah. Whether we're surrounded by human company, whether we're isolated from human company, God is with us. God is in us. In the great times, the bad times, God is always with us. Amen? So that's it first. We need to be born again. But we mustn't stop there because if we want the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the Bible talks about another link but distinct experience. And it's this. Not only do we, be, do we need to be born again. Secondly, we need to be baptized. Say baptized. We need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now this is the missing dimension in many Christian lives. If I can put it like this. You need to be born again to get new life and the Spirit in you, but you need to be baptized in the Spirit to receive new power so that God might work in and through you. Again, if we look at the Old Testament, Ezekiel and Ezekiel 36, parts of Jeremiah, that God is promising, I'm going to do something to change you from the inside out. That's the new birth. But also through the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came on people, same Spirit, but for a different purpose which was to empower them or equip them for what he called them to. So, for example, you may have heard of prophets like Elijah or Elisha or judges like Samuel. Some of you know those stories well. And these were ordinary men and women like us seeking to please God. But when the power of God came on them, they became different and they did things and they said things that they couldn't have done without the power of the Holy Spirit. The problem was in the Old Testament was you had to be kind of a special one to receive this empowering. And so there's another strand of prophecy through the Old Testament in places like Joel chapter 2, verse 28, where God is not so much promising inward renewal as in Ezekiel. He's promising this same prophetic empowering to do God's work is going to come not just on a special few, but in Joel 2.28. Listen to this for amazing promise. God said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Not just a few special ones, but on everyone who comes to know God. And so if we look into the New Testament, it's no surprise that Jesus Christ himself, the anointed one, receives the Holy Spirit in this way. In fact, if you look through the gospel accounts, it looks like up until his baptism, when the Holy Spirit comes on him, he doesn't preach any messages, he doesn't heal anyone, he doesn't set anyone free. In other words, even Jesus, this is amazing, although he's the Son of God, he chose to come as a human being. Jesus didn't step out into his ministry until he's received the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, put, let, me, let me say this. If Jesus himself needed the power of the Holy Spirit as, a, as a, a human being, how much more do you think you and I need the power of the Holy Spirit? Not just to become Christians, but to live the full dimension of God wants for us to be effective for him. And the good news is we can receive that power. Because after he's resurrected and before he's about to go to be with the Father, Jesus starts making some stunning promises that basically is saying, 
guys, you know that power that's been on me, the Holy Spirit who's been on me, you're going to receive that same power. Now, we know that Jesus is unique in the sense he's the anointed one, and he received the Spirit on him without measure, but now we are his body, and God wants to pour the same Holy Spirit over his people. Listen to some of the promises. I love this. Luke 24, verse 49 says, You will be clothed with power from on high. I'm wearing my jacket right now. Um, If I took my jacket off, it would look different and it would feel different. I want to tell you, God doesn't want you going out into your home, your place of work, serving in the church, your mission in the world, if you like, without being clothed with God's power. You are not supposed to do this on your own. God wants to come upon you so that you can know you can live your life not in your own strength, but you can say, I'm doing it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Same for the prophets in the Old Testament and the kings. Same for Jesus. And now, amazingly, God is promising that we're going to be clothed with power from on high. And then um, over into the book of Acts... Jesus makes, basically talking about the same experience, but using different language. He says this, wait for the gift. Notice a gift, not something you earn. Wait for the gift my father promised. How many know if God is giving us a gift, and it's called the gift, it's kind of special? Yeah? It's not a side issue here. What's the promise? You will be... He's talking about the same experience, but he's using a different language. You'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, that word baptism, um, in the original, basically simply means to be immersed or drenched. Now, two ways that you can be immersed. Number one, as in with water baptism, when we baptize people, we plunge them into the water, they get drenched, and we pull them back up again, yeah? There's another way that you can get drenched, which is standing under a shower or a waterfall. I remember many, many years ago going to uh, the Niagara Falls and you can actually walk in a little part of the cliff and you can stand and the Niagara Falls is coming down like that. And I didn't try it because I'd have drowned, but imagine stepping out under the Niagara Falls. How many don't just want a little trickle of the Spirit, you want a deluge? And God's saying, I'm going to come on you and I'm going to immerse you. Jesus on high, he says, I'm going to immerse you in the same power of the Holy Spirit that I've been immersed with. Come on. How exciting is that? Now, this is not just something for a few crazy Christians. Some people think, well, you know, that's a bit extreme. This is not for people of a certain extrovert personality. What did Joel say? All people. And actually, later on when the Spirit has been poured out, Peter gets up and preaches and he, his text is Joel 2. And he says, this is that that Joel spoke about. God said, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. In other words, we are living in those days. And all across the world, there are millions and millions of people being born again and being baptized in the Spirit and parts of the world, it's leading to global revival. How many of you say it's about time we started seeing a revival in our nation again? What's the purpose? Well, it's a clothing with power. Third reference, third aspect of the promise, Acts 1.8, you will receive power... When the Holy Spirit comes, comes on you and you will be my witnesses. He's not, say, he's not talking there about them becoming Christians. He's talking about those who are already followers of Jesus, saying, I want you to receive power so that you can, let me paraphrase, help others become Christians. 
In other words, become more effective in serving in the church, but also your mission in the world. How many think it's time that as the church of Jesus Christ, we rose up and became more effective to demonstrate and speak of the goodness of God? And we can't do it in our own strength, but thank God we have a helper. We're never alone. When you go into your work on Monday morning, know that if you've got the Spirit on you, you are not only just not alone because He loves you, you're not alone in terms of fulfilling God's A1 plan on your life. That's why it's an absolute necessity. We must receive the Spirit in this way. Now, Jesus promises this. He goes to heaven. Disciples are waiting. They're praying for 10 days. And then suddenly, on the day of Pentecost... The Spirit comes. There's wind, there's fire, tongues of fire rest on them. And then it says in Acts 2 verse 4, all of them, not some of them, not a special few, not just the apostles, but in fulfillment of Joel, all of them, say all of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, what happens then when people experience the Holy Spirit? Well, because we're all different, we can all sense different things. Some of you may be what I call a high feeler, and you're very sensitive and, uh, to, to, to the presence of God. And you know, sometimes you hear people say, I feel trembling. Sometimes people feel like a heat. Some people talk about, and probably most common, just an overwhelming, increased sense of the love of God, a new sense of joy. But it's not really about what we feel. The point is, it's a real clothing with power and presence that will mean you'll become more effective in your life, ministry, and service for Jesus. And in Acts chapter 2, and also in Acts chapter 10, and Acts 19, there's an external sign that actually was, if you like... um, a tangible expression of what was happening to them internally. So notice Acts chapter 2, verse 4. We're still there. It says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And what it say? And they began to what? Speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So what is this speaking in tongues thing? That's a bit odd. What's that all about? Well, in this context... These, these guys, probably most of them from Galilee, start speaking in other languages that Jews from around the world, the known world, recognized as real human languages. And in that context, they were speaking in tongues in a way that was missional. This was not about a prayer meeting. They weren't praying that this was like God using it as a sign and a wonder. If you look in the rest of the New Testament, uh, particularly in Paul's writings, we see that tongues is primarily for private prayer and devotions. And you say, why would I want that? How many of you sometimes when you're praying run out of words? Or when you're praising God, thank you, thank you, Jesus, you're amazing, thank you, thank you, just doesn't quite... You want to say more? Well, then God in his grace pours out his spirit on you, fills your heart so that you can have an overflow and begin to speak in other languages. You see, if I go back to this illustration here, it's great, isn't it, to be born again? How many glad for being born again? Isn't it great to have the Spirit living on the inside of us? But same Holy Spirit, sometimes, as in Acts chapter 10, it seems like it happens 
all at the same time. Peter's preaching, and in the middle of his message, I say the Holy Spirit's the only one allowed to interrupt the message. <laughs> Holy Spirit come down, and suddenly all these Gentiles obviously become born again and filled with the Spirit all at the moment. And what happens is, as in Acts chapter 2, they start getting filled to what? Overflow. And the overflow of their hearts is what? They begin to speak in these languages. How many know often you can't tell what's inside somebody until they open their mouth? <laughs> There's a clue there somewhere. <laughs> Be careful what comes out of your mouth. But they, they're filled with the presence of God. And in this case, the manifestation of that was they speak these languages. And if we look in 1 Corinthians, um, other parts of the Bible, it's clear that these languages may be actual known human languages. Sometimes they can be ancient languages or tribal dialects or whatever that you've not learned, I've not learned, but the Holy Spirit gives us those languages. So it's not coming from our head. It's not something we learn. The Holy Spirit gives us, and we have to be in faith. God is using it. Uh, 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 there's another reference that implies that some of the language we speak may be angelic languages. So don't worry about it. Just trust that what God gives you and the words he gives you as you speak out in faith are a way of you praying in a perfect language or praising in a perfect language, language that, if you like, gets you access before the Father in a way that's not hindered by the limitations of your mind and at the same time you get blessed and refilled every time you do it. It's fantastic. What an amazing, amazing gift. Now a couple of things to say that notice who speaks in tongues. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak in tongues. They spoke in tongues. It says they began to speak in tongues as the Holy Spirit gives them utterance. So you know it's not a question of Lord, I want you to speak. No, no. You have to exercise your vocal cords in faith and trust that the Holy, whether it's for the first time or whether it's ongoing, you have a choice to speak and not to speak. So if you start speaking tongues in front of your boss at work, don't blame it on the Holy Spirit, it's you. <laughs> don't do it, because <laughs> that's not the context. Got it? We have to we, we exercise self-control in, in how we exercise uh, the, these gifts. And also notice that um, it's, it's a supernatural gift, but you can't speak in your natural language, most of us English, at the same time as you're speaking in tongues. It's a supernatural gift, but it's not that supernatural. So if you want to speak in tongues, you've got to stop speaking your own language and start speaking in the languages that God gives us. Now, we'll talk a bit more about tongues probably in a couple of weeks' time. But, but simply to say, because it's such a wonderful gift, we just want to do everything we can uh, to help you receive. You say, do I have to speak in tongues? No, you don't have to. But it's an amazing gift. And so you can come on an Alpha Day or a Beta Day or one of our Touching Heavens, you can be, you can be prayed for. And then at the close of this service, uh, wherever you're gathered, there'll be opportunity for you to receive the Holy Spirit. So number one, we, what we've got to do, we've got to be born again. Number two, we've got to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. But just as some people... Um, hold on just to the new birth and they don't get baptized in the Spirit. There's another danger that you can be born again and baptized in the Spirit and rest on a past experience. Somebody once said, well, you know, what's the problem with that? The problem is we leak. Because the filling of the Spirit is not supposed to be a one-off past experience. The Holy Spirit's a person, and He wants a dynamic, ongoing relationship with every single one of us. So this takes me to the third and final point, and this is absolutely critical, which is this. We need to be continually, can we say this together? 
continually filled with the Spirit. Uh, when uh, Emily, our oldest daughter, was, was younger, she's a very busy, active little, little girl, and she, she'd get so busy she'd forget to drink. She'd get a bit dehydrated, and often we have to say, Emily, just stop. Need to, need to need to take a drink. She'd off again. We need to encourage her to drink. And I think sometimes the father's looking on. He's not saying, you must drink like he's a bad dad. No, he's a good father. He says, I don't want you to get spiritually dehydrated. You need an ongoing infilling of the Spirit for your life, but also if you want to be effective in your ministry and mission, you need to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. I mean, look back at that Pentecost service. I came into that service having been born again, having been baptized in the Spirit. What I needed was a fresh infilling in that moment for that service. And as a result, there was an overflow. We heard stories about uh, unsaved technicians in the van at the back, God speaking to them, someone behind the camera. I mean, when God fills you, things start happening. But we need the ongoing filling of the Spirit. And we see this in the book of Acts. So Pentecost is when the disciples first receive the Spirit. They go out, they preach, lots of people are getting saved, lots of miracles, and there's lots of persecution. And then in Acts chapter 4, they come back together, they have another prayer meeting, and it says this. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were what? all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Who is the they who are being filled? Those who had already been filled on the day of Pentecost. Can I say if in Acts they needed to be refilled, how many think we need to be refilled? Not just once, but many, many times. Paul puts it simply in this way in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. He says this, be filled with the Spirit. And to get the full meaning of it in the original Greek, it's this. Go on being filled with the Spirit. Let me ask you a question. How often do you drink? Once a month? You'd be dead. Once a week? That's what some Christians think. You don't even do it once a day, do you? You need to what? drink continually. So what does that look like? How do we go on being filled with the Spirit? If it's an absolute necessity for those of us who are already born again and baptized in the Spirit, go on being filled. It's not a luxury. It spiritually is necessary for you to be refilled with the Spirit as it is naturally necessary for you to keep on drinking water. I deserved an amen or something. But we can get busy, can't we? We can go about doing life in our own strength and we forget to be refilled. So how can we go on being filled? Well, I think firstly, I think it's an issue of awareness and desire and posturing that says, okay, and some of you like, you're waking up to the fact, hey, I've neglected that. I need to be refilled. I got baptized in 1982, some of you are saying, and I've been leaking ever since. I've neglected some things, or maybe even got filled the Spirit last week. Well, don't rely on past experiences. Keep being refilled. And so, certainly the way I get refilled is I actually take a deliberate choice to prioritize spending time with the Lord over and above 
any other activity in my life because I know that if I spend time with the Lord and I, get, and I honor him and I get refilled, then the rest of all that I'm involved in is just going to flow so much better. Amen. And the time I spend in his presence is never wasted time. So, so let, let me just help you. Think about your day. What I like to do, and I've practiced for years, is first time in the day, sometimes longer than others, but I, I make sure I have a really good drink. I get spiritually rehydrated in the morning. And that's great. But I've also learned that if I really want to walk in the Spirit and live in the fullness of the Spirit, I've started building in some extra drinking sessions throughout the day. Sometimes at lunchtime. Sometimes in between meetings. And sometimes it will be long enough to have a really big... <laughs> Other times it's quick sit and on you go. Trying to build in rather than just fill my mind with other stuff. And, you know, I, I think some of you, God's going to say, I'm on the inside of you. It's not just for our sake. God loves you. He's a friend. He wants fellowship with you. And as you read his word, as you pray, as you worship, guess what? You are going to be regularly refilled. And then we need to make a priority. I know I'm singing to the choir because you're here. But we need to make a priority weekend services. When we come and we, you know, we glug, 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 glug. We come to life groups. We come to prayer meetings. Why? Because it's an absolute necessity. First, because God is worthy and we want to worship him. But secondly, as we draw near to him, guess what happens? He draws near to us and he refills us so we go back out into the world. Think about it. How more effective are you going to be if you get freshly filled and clothed with power for the time it will take to meet with God either on your own or in meetings? Do you think your life will be, it will, will be more effective? I'm sure it will. So let's prioritize God's presence. That's the first thing, prioritizing his presence. But I think there's a second dimension when it comes to being refilled that's this. And I think it's not so much just about receiving more, but believing more. Let me explain. If it's true, and it is, that when you are born again, the Holy Spirit's not just with you forever, but has come to live on the inside you forever, I believe there's something that happens when we put faith in the fact that he lives on the inside of us. It's not so much just a experiential receiving more it's a stirring up in faith of the fact that he's already on the inside you say what do you mean by that well I don't always um, sense the presence of God anyone else okay just me then <laughs> I don't always sense the presence of God but I've learned much as I love the feelings of the spirit's presence I've learned that I've got to trust that he's there 24-7. And when I act in faith knowing that he's there, somehow he manifests himself and works in a more powerful way. And so I want to encourage you, not just, as it were, rely on an experience of being refilled and positioning, which we need to position ourselves, but why not just stir up an active faith? Why not start de developing a confession in the morning? Why not say, you know... As, as I go into my day, I know, 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that lives in me than he that's in the world. That means I, there's no mountain that I'm going to come up against. There's no problem I'm going to face. There's no situation too great because I have the greater one living on the inside of me. Amen. 
You say, well, I feel a bit weak in life. Well, why not declare this over yourself? The same spirit, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is living on the inside of you. I have resurrection, death-destroying, sin-overcoming power. I'm going to be free, and I'm going to be bold, and I'm going to be victorious in life. What are you doing? You're stirring up, and you're declaring the reality of who he is over your life. And you can go into life saying, and I'm never alone. I'm never alone. So wherever you're at on the journey of faith, you need to be born again, you need to be baptized in the Spirit, but we need to go on being continually filled with the Spirit. Some of you may be saying, well, you know, I, I, I've been born again, but you know, that's all, all, I, I, that's all I want. I, you know, that bats in the Spirit stuff and that tongues, I'm not sure about all of that. Do I have to receive more? Well, let, let me give you an example. If I was to say to you, I was coming to you and I've got a, an, an envelope and said, in this envelope is something, it's... It's cost me much, but here is a ticket to a round-the-world cruise on a six-star vessel. How many would open it up? No. Okay, I would. I'd be like, come on, bring it on. And then I, I say to you, oh, and by the way, in there, there's a voucher, if you receive that too, that will give you access to all-inclusive. All the meals laid on. I mean, you're not going to say, I'm sorry, I'm not worthy. <laughs> well, I don't think I'm ready. I've got my crackers and cheese and my bottle of water. It's fine for me, thank you. I don't be too presumptuous. Now, you wouldn't say that, would you? You're like, well, I would. I'd say, come on, bring it on. I'm going to scoot up to the table at least three meals a day. And then I say, it gets even better. I've got another voucher in here, but you've got to receive it. And this one gets you access, free access to all the amazing six-star leisure facilities and entertainments. You wouldn't say, oh, not for me. But you know, sometimes we're like that with the things of God. We have something that is far better than a round-the-world cruise ticket on a six-star ship. We have the promise of eternal life. We are born again. We are heirs of the kingdom of God. We are children. We are sons and daughters of the living God. Hallelujah. With the promise of living in a new heavens on a new earth for all eternity. Amen. But along the way, we have all the blessings of the Spirit too. We have the power of God. We have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. More of that next week. And we, we need to embrace and receive all that God has for us. Don't settle with just the ticket. Enjoy all the blessings that God has. Not just for our benefit to enjoy the journey more, because we will. Because let me just change, change the analogy slightly. Because actually life is not about a worldwide cruise. You know that. Life can be a battle. It's almost like as the church, we're on a battleship. And for the sake of our families and our friends and our neighbors and our work colleagues, there's an all-out war on. And we are in the, uh, uh, an amazing God-privileged rescue mission to take people out of darkness into his light that their lives might be changed for eternity. Amen. And so let's not settle for second best. Let's receive all the power and the presence that Jesus paid such a high price to give us. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you so much for your glorious presence. I pray, Lord, for every single person watching or listening 
If they need to get born again, I pray for the miracle of new birth. If they need to be baptized in the Spirit, may you come upon them, clothe them with power. And then for all of us, we want to be refilled, not just now, but as part of a daily lifestyle. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.